Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. With karate, I'll kick your ass. Yeah, it's right over there. Oh yeah, motherfucker, gonna kick your fucking derriere. Yeah, yeah. You broke the rules. Now I'm pulling out your pubic hair. You motherfucker. Motherfucker. Ooh, 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 yeah. As I record this, the Lakers have evened up the series with the Phoenix Suns. And there's only one place I go for all my Laker info, and that is Bet Online. Bet Online has everything you need in the world of sports, whether it be scores, whether it be odds, whether it be news, and it's certainly the best place to place your bets. Want to know something else that's pretty awesome? It's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, and use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive 50% off as a welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. You know what is awesome? Sex. You know what is awesome? Confidence. <laughs> Why not mix the two? If you're having some problem with problems with confidence in the bedroom... Look no further than Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom. It's a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, all in a chewable form at a fraction of the cost. But more importantly, I think it's that Blue Chew makes their it makes it so that there's no doctor's visits. There's no uh, waiting in line and talking to someone at the pharmacy. What does that mean in, in the end? It's all about no awkward stuff. No uncomfortable feelings. Blue Chew is an online prescription service. It ships right to your door in a discreet package. All the awkward, uncomfortable stuff is taken out. Blue Chew is fantastic. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it comes time to perform in the bedroom, visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. Plus, Got a little deal for you. Mikey likes you listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code Mikey, M-I-K-E-Y, at checkout. Just pay $5 in shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code M-I-K-E-Y, to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. All right. Boom. Shakalaka. (laughs) I apologize. I'll let myself out. Let's start over. Let's start over. That wasn't a good start. Hello, everyone. It's Michael D. with This is Mikey Likes You. It's a question and answer, Mikey Likes You. So let's get right to the question so I can give you the answers. What do you say? Okay, great. I'm going to my at Mike Catherwood um, account first. Big Huff. Big Huff. Phase Line Fitness. How much longer are you going to keep ducking me, bruh? Well, as long as I can get away with it, my friend. Much love to you, Big Huff. Seriously. What is your diet... Or the food you consume on a daily basis consists of from Chef Mares 33. Um, lots of meat, lots of fruit, a little bit of fish. I can give you a look. I'll go to my fitness pal and I will go to yesterday and I will talk you through my entire day. Meal one was a, a medium apple and four scoops of essential amino acids. Then I went to the gym. Meal two was chicken breast with a quarter cup of rice. I had 
nine ounces of chicken breast and a quarter cup of rice. Then I had two scoops of Formula One chocolate milkshake from First Form, which is super duper good protein powder from First Form with two pasture-raised eggs inside. I had halibut, seven ounces of halibut with cucumbers. Then I had some kiwi with spinach, egg whites in like a little omelet, and four ounces of bison. And that was my day yesterday. It's a pretty typical day for me. So there you go. Um, what is your hair regimen? Asking for a friend. I don't really have one. I have found, um, and this is just, it's just awful, but I think it's easier when everyone gets on board with this and just understands it. How your hair looks, uh, its health, how much hair you have, I think is pretty much all genetic. I'm lucky in that department. I don't take it for granted. And I just, I have calyx and waves and stuff. But I have all my hair, and uh, I just kind of let it go. I shampoo probably three times a week. Yeah, that's a fair estimate. And then I wake up and go. Um, what Next question is, what do you use to get your hair so sweet? What's going on? Did, did, did my hair look particularly good in this video? <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, where do you find your motivation for your workouts from Frenchied23? Uh, my motivation. Oh, God. I don't know how to answer this because there's so much there. And my motivation for doing anything shifts so much uh, at different points in my life. My motivation for working out and going to the going to work and my professional life was so different at 25 than it is at 42. Um, I will I, okay, I will tell you this. I'm gonna get a little bit sappy. About a week and uh, 10 days ago, I had a dream. A sleeping dream, not a daydream. And it was really weird. I talked to my wife about it. I'd never had a dream like this where it was like the movies where it actually – you woke up and you were really impact. – I've had a lot of like using and drinking dreams, meaning uh, I'm in recovery and I'll wake up and think like, oh, no, I used cocaine or I drank. And, and then I realize, you know, in either 10 minutes or an hour that it was just a dream and that certainly impacts me. Those suck. <laughs> I have those a lot. Um, not a lot. I used to have them a lot. I have them probably twice a year now. But this was like no other dream I'd ever had in my adult life where it was just like the movies where you wake up and you, you can't get it out of your head and it really sticks with you and it makes you rethink your awake life. And it was really powerful for me. I was old. I'm old now, but in this stream, I'm old as fuck. I'm in my 90s. I'm super wrinkly. I can't really move that well. And I'm sitting somewhere outdoors. It looks like to be a front porch of some sort. And my wife at, is there too. But she's my wife now, which was weird because I'm old as fuck, like I said. 
like Emperor Palpatine old. I mean, old as shit. And I look over at her and I say, it all went by so fast. And it, it was weird because in my dream, I'm I'm aware my consciousness was was that of that not old me. And I could look at my hands and, and see that I was all wrinkly and I could see my body kind of frail and old. And I, I, I it all made sense. There was no, no shock there. It was as if I got this weird time machine. And I, I told my wife, I said, it just went it went by so fast. It was like a blink. And I could recognize that life just keeps going on and on and on, day after day after day. And everything I tell myself, man, like whether it be eating right or working out or hanging out with my daughter instead of watching a Netflix show or, or going for a walk with my wife or having sex with my wife or, you know, all the shit you, you think of that makes life worth living – It, 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 I can't do it forever. And th- there's a very good chance that if I'm lucky enough to make it to my 90s or however the fuck old I was in this dream, that it's going to seem like I, I just wish I had more time and I wish I could go back and do it again. And I woke up and I was scared as still so scared because I realized how real that dream was, how lucky I was to have that dream. It was like there, like whatever higher power you believe in, something it injected it in my brain so that I wouldn't take anything for granted. That whether it's tomorrow or in 50 years, I'm going to get to the point where I'm staring death in the eyes. And I... I'm going to definitely be like, man, I just wish I could do it more. I wish I could do it over again. I wish it wasn't so quick. I wish I didn't take time for granted. And so I think about that and I just do things that make my life better and do things that I can enjoy and do things that are going to enhance my life and do things that remind me that I'm this living, breathing, wild animal and not some automaton that just kind of takes life for granted, living in the back seat of this car going through the, 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 the freeway of life, that I'm, I'm the driver. And that I can make a choice to, to drive that car into wild, crazy things that are super enjoyable and memorable. So there you go. At least right now, that's my motivation. All right, uh, let me get back to my phone here. What odd jobs did you have before being a part of radio and podcasting from Broken Motors? Uh, That's a good question, too. I had a lot of odd jobs. I uh, hung drywall a little bit. I did a little odds and ends construction type stuff. I worked at a a gas station slash garage at different jobs in that world, at that that same garage, actually. I kind of graduated from pumping gas to, uh, you know, like changing oil and that kind of stuff. You know, minor uh, mechanical work. I was a janitor at two separate places. One was a prosthetics lab, which was really cool because I got to see like prosthetics <laughs> being made and what, you know, like all stages of prosthetics of different body parts. That was cool. Um, I was a night watchman at a rehearsal studio. I was a personal trainer 
And uh, what else? What else? What else? I worked at Nordstrom for a while. Like a, a, a kind of higher higher tier, not top tier, but like mid-high level um, clothing retail store for those of you who are not in a place where Nordstrom's is. And I did a couple different jobs there, but as sales. Um, yeah, that's about it, I think. Yeah. Um, craziest rock and roll band story, or at least an honorable mention. Ooh. Um, I was really lucky working at the world-famous K-Rock here in Los Angeles at the tail end of when rock still mattered, you know, when it was kind of cool to be a rock band. So I have some pretty crazy ones. I don't think I could tell them, at least not out of respect for the people involved, the real crazy ones. Mm, here's Here's a good one. Um, there was an MTV Movie Awards, or excuse me, MTV Music Awards in Las Vegas. I'm going to say 2007, 2008. And, uh, we went to this Maxim party. Me, Kevin, and from Kevin and Bean, Dave the King of Mexico. And we just, this party was off the chain. It was fucking awesome. And there were all these musicians and performers there. But most of them I don't give a shit about. Not that they're bad people or that. It's just, you know, I, it's not my thing. Like Lil John and stuff. You know, John, Lil John's actually a really nice guy. He's always been really nice to me. And a couple handful of times I had conversations with him. But my, my point is like it doesn't excite me that much to see Lil John and Usher. Um, but then like Mastodon was there and uh, Queens of the Stone Age, some members of Queens of the Stone Age and uh, Lars from Metallica. So now I'm like, oh, fuck, this is awesome. So I'm mingling, trying my best to leave people that would probably want to be left alone alone and not be a fanboy. And I go up to the bar to get drinks for other people and get myself like a club soda or whatever. And Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age, who is really like top tier up there on my ladder of musical idols. I think Josh Homme's just about as fucking awesome as it gets as an artist, as a person. He mimics – excuse me. I – I, I, I model myself creatively after a, lot, after a lot of what he does in that it's really unashamedly kind of macho and, and powerful and uh, aggressive, but it's also super artsy um, at the same time. There's no – it's not just boneheaded and it's not just heavy for heavy sake. It's, it's definitely rock and it's definitely edgy and it's tough and it's uh, dangerous at times, but it's also valid as, as – as art, you know, and I love that. I, I've always loved that about Caius and Queens of the Stone Age. So Josh is there and he's like 6'4 and big. he's this big guy, you know, um, and he's wearing a black suit, a really nice, well-tailored suit. So I was like, hey, man. He's like, hey, how are you? Uh, he's this really deep, kind of cool guy. But he goes, hey, how are you, man? I go, that's a pretty sharp suit. He goes, yeah, thank you. And I go, uh, Where'd you get it? That's a that's a, I mean that's a fly suit, Josh. Where'd you get it? And he takes a drag off his cigarette and he goes, Well at the fly suit store, of course. <sighs> takes another drag, he's on have a good night, man. And walks away and I was like, That was pretty awesome. That was like movie level rock star moment. 
Where'd you get the fly suit? At the fly suit store, of course. I have three activities that I do in 12 slots per week. Wonderful toy. BJJ, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, for those who don't know. Gym, cardio and weights. And boxing, what do you think the balance should be? Currently, BJJ three times a week, boxing once, and gym for all the rest. Um, Look, if you're confused, I always say start with an even balance. When you say balance, why not just balance it? Do If it's 12, do 4-4-4. That being said, most of us do not have a balanced um, disposition. We have things that we like a lot more, and we have things that we like just a little bit. For me, when I was doing all three, um, either boxing, Muay Thai, you know, striking sports, grappling, and and weight training, I definitely always leaned into weights more. Um, that being said, you get the most bang for your buck with lifting weights, so I only had to go three days a week, you know, about an hour at, the, at a time. So that left a lot more time open for the other two. I would typically do two and two. I do two times of of going and hitting pads and and maybe sparring, and then I would go two times to some type of jujitsu or uh, either no gi or gi class. I I will say that you don't really get very good at all of them if you do it that way. Um, you can't sit on two horses with one ass is the adage I like to use. If you don't mind, if that's kind of what you're going for, and in my late 20s, early 30s, that was what I was going for, I just wanted to be active a lot. I didn't have a lot of time on my hands, and I wanted to gain some confidence in the world and and the ability to deal with struggle in a way that you know weightlifting didn't provide. So fighting sports and combat sports was great. Um, I wasn't necessarily as gifted at grappling as I was at striking sports, particularly Muay Thai, not because I'm good, but because for some reason I have very dexterous hips and legs. Even for a a meathead, uh, I'm just, I'm lucky. I have very flexible and mobile hips and legs. So I, even before I kind of got form down, I could crack with kicks. So I just naturally kind of gravitated a little bit more to that. I would say work that quote-unquote balance in the way that best suits you. If you are really driven to be a black belt in jiu-jitsu, start going four or five times a week and twice a week do some strength and conditioning to supplement that. Occasionally, maybe once a week, get into a striking class just to be able to throw a punch properly and measure distance. If... The alternative is true. If you love, if it really gives you a lot of inspiration to um, to hit bags and, and maybe even, even spar, then um, go four or five times to boxing. And once a week, get into a grappling just to make sure that if you ever got into a situation that was close quarters, you'd be able to at least understand a takedown, takedown defense. You would be able to, if need be, pull guard choke someone, whatever it is, you know? So just at least you have that in your arsenal and then you fill in the rest with strength and conditioning. Unless you unless you genuinely want to compete or have a competitive physique, meaning like you want to be that guy that or gal that 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 people 
you know, at the beach are like, oh, fuck, look at that chick when she when you're in a bikini or, oh, fuck, you know, when you take off your shirt at the pool. If that's your driving force, then switch it around. You can be going to the gym four or five days a week and then just, you know, get with whatever leftover energy you have look to to combat sports. That's all. You just got to be honest with yourself. And what are your real goals? If your goals are just to be a well-rounded, active person, then I think just go for balance, man. Go four, four, four. How does one get all their protein without going over calories? From Huni, Juni Rific. Uh, pretty easily. <laughs> I don't. I'm. I'm not sure. I necessarily understand the question. Calorie. Look, carbs and protein only have four calories per gram, whereas fat has nine. So that's more than double the other two. Carbohydrates are not necessarily very filling. In fact, they can make you hungrier. And they also are really easy to overeat. So therefore, protein should be where you build everything around, high high levels of protein. It has a higher thermic effect of food, meaning that the more protein you eat, the more calories you can burn. It, 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 it is more metabolic than other macronutrients. It has a very high thermic effect. It creates energy as you digest it. Also, protein is anabolic, meaning it helps you to build cells. And that doesn't just go for muscles. It goes for your heart. It goes for your uh, you know, internal organs in any way. It's, it's pro-anabolism. It's, it's, it's positive. Um, and that is why the, uh, the only circumstance in which I would say stay away from protein is if you have some type of negative tumor in your body because it will help it grow. And that's also why a lot of people get terrible information from like the quote unquote health and medical world about staying away from protein because they do things like these China studies and other things where they draw and extrapolate evidence from people who have tumors. And if you're cancerous – whether malignant or benign, you have a tumor in your body, yes, protein and amino acids is something that you want to stay away from. In all other circumstances, it is absolutely the most crucial and vital macronutrient. If you get leaner cuts of protein, you are going to be well under your calories. Even if you get a shit done, I eat 260 grams of protein a day. I'm 180 pounds. My protein consists of very, uh, uh, a rather small pittance of my calories. Let's see. I can actually tell you. 260 times 4. That's 640 calories from my protein. That leaves me about 1,500 calories to work with outside of my protein. So... It's pretty easy to stay within caloric ranges when you're eating lots of protein. Now, if you get your protein from fatty cuts of meats or fatty fish, now you're in trouble. Or you're not in trouble. You have to start being a little bit more wise and practical. A ribeye is going to have a shit ton of calories, not because of the protein intake, but because of the fat level. Fat, again, has nine calories in comparison to the four calories that comes with carbs and protein. So if you're eating a steak burrito and you're like, well, I'm getting my 40 grams of protein. I need to do it. But this says 800 calories. It's not the fucking 40 grams of protein. It's 
the tortillas and the guac and the sour cream and the and the ve- shitty vegetable oil that they probably fry it in. You what what is attached to said protein? Fattier cuts, albeit healthier, probably because not probably fattier cuts are typically healthier. Um, they help you with uh, fat soluble vitamins. They oftentimes carry macro excuse me micronutrients, things like vitamins and minerals within that. The the muscle of an animal isn't typically that nutrient rich. It's higher in the protein, but it's not as necessarily nutrient rich. The organs and the and the fats that surround it are where you're going to get your things like your iron and your vitamin D. Um, so fattier cuts tend to be healthier. I go for the middle of the – I don't necessarily do chicken breast uh, and I don't do like flank steak, like the leanest cuts. I go for the middle grain and I don't go for the the ribeye or the skin skin on chicken thigh. Um, I go for the middle of the road. I like ground bison. I like uh, 7% to 10% ground beef. I like uh, New York strip. I like – I like bison a lot, all different cuts. I, I do a lot of that. I do a lot of uh, halibut. I do a lot of salmon. I do that quite frequently. Uh, I throw in a lot of shrimp here and there. So you just – and I balance it. I balance it. I, then I, I, I do not leave necessarily very much for carbohydrates because I don't need too many. I function pretty well at uh, timing my carbs when I need them. Later at night or, or, or pre-workout, pre like an exhaustive workout and then uh, the rest, I, I seem to be fine and function quite well with a little bit more fat and a little less carbohydrates and my protein's always high. So you just got to weigh that out and I don't mean that literally or figuratively. I mean in your brain, uh, analyze what you're eating and make sure that your protein, if you're getting your protein very high, which I think everyone should, that you, you, you take into consideration what you're serving it with and how much fat content comes with that protein. Mm, what's a good time or average time to spend in the gym? Hours-wise, two hours? How long should my breaks be in between sets? That's from Lunchbox66. That's very hard to say. Um, If you're going for strength, uh, your rest should be quite long in between sets. If you're going for, uh, I don't know, I guess... I, I don't see – when it comes to weight training, I don't see a lot of value into shortening your your rest intervals. I want people to try to lift heavier and harder and, and really be able to maximize their ability to do that. So if you need to rest two or three minutes in between it, so be it. That also – because I don't like people spending all day in the gym, I think you can have five or six core exercises that you just massacre, you know, that you get – the best bang for your buck and you go after them. You go after them hard. Squats, rows, you know, forms of bench press, overhead press, deadlift and, uh, you know, a couple, maybe a couple forms of deadlift and, and maybe a chin or pull up and that's it. And that's kind of what my my programming is based around. Um, there are times, especially if you're trying to build lots of muscle, if you're really like a super thin person where volume is going to be higher. Um, in those situations where body fat loss isn't at all a, a, an issue for you, and th- that's not a lot of people, um, you can go down to 45 seconds to even 30 seconds to help accentuate the the what they call the pump, you know, the, the lactic acid going into 
um, the muscles and then to help deteriorate the muscle cells for hypertrophy. Low, low rep, excuse me, low rest in between intervals, uh, in between sets is, is geared for more of hypertrophy and bodybuilding. And although it, there's definitely times when it can be used, and also I like to shift it up um, into people, even if you are concerned with losing body fat, you, you, you don't want to train super heavy, lower volume all the time. I do like to lighten the weight considerably and then mix in sets of higher volume and, and lighter weights because uh, high volume stuff does have its value. Uh, glycogen depletion, con- uh, 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 um, conditioning. Um, so that's more of a strength endurance based thing. But you just got to analyze your goal. Um, how long to spend in the gym? I can't unless you are a competitive athlete, in which case you have to factor in skill training. There's no need to spend more than an hour in the gym. If you are doing that, you're doing you, – you're just – you're either wasting time. Uh, again, I lead you to Martin Burkhan's uh, uh, fantastic article, Fuck Around-itis. If you have a lot of fuck around-itis, I get it. But that's pretty much the only reason people are spending all day in the gym or you're competitive in something, in which case you got to go above and beyond. But for the average person who wants to look and feel better, there's just no need to be spending more than an hour in the gym and there's no need to be doing it more than three or four times a week. Doug's digging. As my body is shaping to how I want it, I'm not finding clothes that complement me well. Do you have any recommendations for clothing brands that have a more athletic fit, both casual and business? Uh, Yeah, it's a good question. I like to buy everything in my life, not only clothes, but everything in my life. I make it a paramount priority of mine to buy things made in the USA. So I start looking at that that first, and that's kind of like my – my go-to. I also like very kind of classic vintage men's sportswear. That's a thing I like. I don't. I, I'm, I'm, that's just kind of my thing, my style. I'm not a big like new wave sneaker guy. I understand it, but it's, that's not my thing. I'm not a streetwear guy. I understand it, not my thing. I like old school staples. When I do wear sneakers, it's Chuck Taylors. Most of the time, I wear Red Wing boots or or some handmade in Massachusetts. Uh, Alden um, wingtips, you know, if I have something fancy to do. And that's it. I wear I wear boots and I wear wingtips. I wear Chuck Taylors if I'm going to do something active. Um, I found that Double RL, which is Ralph Lauren's kind of more ranch cowboy styled stuff, is very um, complimentary because it is designed for like real cowboys. It does tend to be a little bit more complimentary to um, more burly dudes. And if I'm going fancy, even though I don't necessarily like the design very much, um, John Varvato's suits tend to be a little bit more, uh, forgiving to wide shouldered, big legged people. Um, that's just what I found. I do have some Dolce Gabbana suits. I have some Prada suits and stuff, but they are definitely made for super thin European guys, you know, who are smoking a cigarette in a cafe. Uh, I, 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 I have, I buy them larger and then I unfortunately have to have them, uh, altered to, to fit me. So, but I would say, yeah, double RL is a great one. Left field, New York city out of New York city, rogue territory from here in Los Angeles. Um, those are other casual brands that I like to frequent belly fat, how to get it off. I've tried tons of sit-ups and crunches, but it just doesn't disappear. Okay. This is a great question. Because, listen, all of you need to hear this. 
All of you want no body of belly fat and you want abs. It has nothing to do with your ab training. I will repeat, having abs has nothing to do with your abs training. All of every human being has a six pack. If you get down to 12, for guys, you get down about like 12%, 13%, you will have uh, the outline of your six pack. You get closer to 10, you will have a six pack. You get under 10, you will have a holy shit pack. That's it. You lose, you get under 20, you start to see like muscles in your arms, in your face. You see development. Um, your, outer, your upper chest, your outer shoulders, those things come in. When you start to lean up a little bit, you get under, like I said, around under 20, 18, 17, 16, you're like, oh, people start to notice 15. You start making some considerable notice where you get like the outline of your abs. Okay. You're not, you don't have a a kind of a four pack when you flex, you have a six pack when you're relaxed, but it's out the outline of it. It's still blurred. 12 to 10 is when you have a six pack. And then sub 10 is like when you're like, oh, when you're that old fuck person, holy, whoa, shit. Look at you. Damn, homie. Now, when you get sub 12, you get started to sub 10, you, you can train your abs, which is something I do to accentuate that, but it, but it has nothing to do with it, okay? Your belly fat is about diet, and your belly fat is the last shit to come off. And I know every, how many people have felt this way where it's like, I've lost a bunch of weight. My arms look good. My legs look good. My face is totally different, but I just can't seem to get that pooch off that the, the, the FUPA and the belly fat, blah, blah, spare tire. Yeah. That's human. That's called being a human. It's biological. It's the last to go. Have patience, have understanding, go after it. You can do it. You can do it. What's the biggest thing you still struggle with in staying sober? And what is the best thing about being sober from, that sober guy podcast. Oh, well, there you go. That sober guy podcast. Um, the biggest thing you still struggle with. I would say finding, leaning into and finding healthy escapism. What I mean by that is what drove me beyond my predisposition biologically to be an addict and an alcoholic because I do come from a long line of heavy drinkers and drug users. It's in my blood. That is obviously a huge factor. But another thing that was is just like I so enjoyed not having my life. I enjoyed not being my Catherwood. I enjoyed it so much more than being my Catherwood. For so many reasons that it would take up 10 podcasts to get into, you know, and and I also don't want to get all sanctimonious and feel like what, why do you care? It doesn't matter. I think you can all relate. You just don't like who you are. You don't like the man in the mirror or the woman in the mirror or the they in the mirror, whatever the fuck. And you don't like who you are and you don't like the life you're living. And with drugs and alcohol, my preferred drug was some stimulant, whether it be meth or coke. And... And alcohol, I I didn't have to be me. <laughs> it was like a VR experience or like the best, you know, 
video game, you know, like that first person shooter or role playing game where I just where I just I, 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 I was so easy to not be me. I could take a break and I could not be insecure and I could not be ashamed and disappointed. Um, and I, and, and sometimes even though I've gotten to the point, which is easily the best thing about to your second question, the best thing about being sober is that I have had to learn to get to be comfortable and happy with being me. And I've created a life. I absolutely couldn't have created the life that I've created that makes me happy being me with, with drugs and alcohol saddling me down, chaining me to the earth. So that is by far the best thing is that I can, without excuse, wake up in the morning and say I'm going to devote myself to being the person that I really want to be, the being, being the man that I can look in the mirror and say, oh, I'm happy that I'm this dude. But every once in a while I don't like it. I still don't like it. I still don't like being me. I'm still ashamed. I'm still insecure. And, I, and uh, you know, maybe there shouldn't be any escape. There shouldn't be – maybe you shouldn't ever be able to press pause and just escape. But uh, god damn it, I still want that and I don't have anything like that. That's what I still struggle with. And I don't have any real euphoric recall or desire to use the drugs or the alcohol themselves. I don't feel like, oh man, I could go for a beer. I could go for a buzz right now. I could go for a fucking line. I don't feel that way. But I do feel like I could go for just checking out right now. And not have the neuroses for just a just a moment, man. And that, that's what I still struggle with. When do you know it's time to switch up your lifting routine from Lucky Sevens? You know because of a couple factors. One, um, you either shifted goals, uh, you maybe lost a lot of weight and now you want to work on building muscle or, or you know, if you're shifting goals, if you uh, decide that you really like powerlifting and you want to move away from hypertrophy into powerlifting, that's a time. Also, if your progress has stalled, if you are, uh, if your diet has remained similar and you've been uh, disciplined about staying on top of it and you're getting weaker, um, you might need to either change exercise or change volume and rep schemes. But outside of that, you, you, there, there should be calculable markers to change things, to notice things. Um, if you are still continuously getting stronger in whatever rep range kind of suits your goal, you should be fine. Another thing is boredom. That's a, that's a real thing and that's a factor. You shouldn't be bored. Um, and I, I know that's what a lot of people complain about with like say the five by five program. Uh, I, it's not easy for me to get bored because I get so mo so like motivated when I'm in the gym. I get so inspired by like beating the logbook. But I understand it. Um, so boredom can be a factor, and you can explore that. Now, that's another reason when you know it's time when you're when you're kind of not necessarily. <sighs> as motivated to go to the gym when you usually when you would be usually uh, I love to run but I don't want to destroy my knees how much running can I incorporate into a lifting regimen I will split upper lower body days I don't know why I'm asking this question when I still eat who's a what's it's and whatchamacallit bars when I get off work um well at least you recognize that diet is that important but also 
I don't want to say. I got. I got to be honest. I don't feel appropriate. It's appropriate for me as someone who's not really an expert in long distance running or even running in general. Um, how much is safe? Because, in my humble opinion, and again, this is now completely an opinion. Unless you have really worked hard on your running form, no amount of running is all that safe. You know? Especially for the knees. Um, so I, I just don't feel like it's appropriate. I would check with someone who's like an expert in mixing endurance sports with, with strength training. I'm 5'6". I have plateaued at 180 pounds down from 240. Oh, man. Congratulations. I've been informed that if I lose another 20 pounds, I stand a good chance of reversing <coughs> pardon me, my type 2 diabetes. I'm on, uh, I'm on one med and lots of lean protein and greens. Workouts are mostly walks and a little basketball. Would you recommend lifting, calisthenics, cardio? What's next? Thank you. Lifting, absolutely. Because not only will it help your metabolism and it'll help you lose weight because you'll be hopefully gaining muscle, it, it just hormonally raises your metabolism and gives you better uh, hormone profile to do so. Also, at the actual act of lifting weights lowers your blood sugar so much and increases insulin sensitivity, which is very, very important for someone in your situation. So I definitely think you should look into a three-day-a-week program, uh, continue walking every day, and then also incorporate a three-day-a-week program that, that is built around complex movements such as the deadlift, the uh, squat, overhead press, bench press, and row. Um, you will, you will, that will work wonders for your ability to regulate your blood sugar and your insulin. Got any suggestions on what to eat if you're trying to drop the pounds? Uh, um, yes, eat less. In my mid thirties, I have had the diet of a 15 year old for most of my adult life. Okay, stop that. I know it's simple enough to just start eating veggies and protein. No, it's not, but I'm trying to take baby steps so I don't fall into bad habits again. What foods can help me get to better choices permanently. Okay. Um, what foods can help you to get to better choices per permanently? Start really, really focusing on upping your protein. And I don't mean, yeah, well, I'll add in a chicken breast here and there. No, 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 no. I mean, make a commitment, weigh your food, get MyFitnessPal or some other type of tracking app, weigh your proteins raw and get to at, at the very least, if you're if you're overweight, uh, 0.8 grams of protein for your pounds of body weight. But I always, if you're not super overweight, I recommend uh, one gram per pound of body weight. And make a commitment and say like, I'm going to do this. Okay, I have to do this. And then you have to start really analyzing and thinking about every single thing that you put in your mouth because you start hunting this protein. When you start hunting this protein, first off, you're going to increase your thermic uh, effect of food because you're getting more protein. You're also going to make choices that are keep you full more. Then you're going to have the ability to start putting together meals on a day-to-day -day basis that are going to be protein dominant. Therefore, you're going to instill these habits that lead you to places that are less that make you less prone to overeat. Okay, so that's the one kind of hack I would give you. Mm, okay, a couple more because we're starting to get a little long here. 
What's the difference between training with low weight and high reps from high weight and low reps? It's all the same in the end as both are based on total output and volume. Not true. I prefer low weights to avoid injury and back strain. Okay, well, that's what you prefer. Um, but that's what, what this man, Ranger Ramon, just said is not true. It's all the same because it's all about volume. No, it's not. Not at all. If I were to do 200 push-ups, but one rep at a time, do one push-up and then walk around for 10 minutes and then do another and then every 10 minutes come back and do that for 200 minutes, or excuse me, 200 reps, that would be greatly different in how it affected my body if I were to do 10 sets of 20 with one minute rest. Intensity uh, of your workout, which can be measured by a couple different metrics, either the amount of resistance you have on whatever you're doing or the amount of rest you take in between um, your bouts of training, these are things that matter greatly, oftentimes more than overall volume. Overall volume is a factor that needs to be measured. But doing 10 sets of 10 is greatly different than doing 20 sets of 5. Um, the difference being that the higher the rep range and the more volume you do, it is going to be geared more towards strength, endurance, and hypertrophy. The lower the rep range, it's going to be much more geared towards uh, strength development. And the over anything over, say, like 17, 18, uh, into 20 plus is going to be pure endurance. Um you know, something like uh, like the amount of steps you take when you go running. That is, it is a rep, essentially, but it is such a low resistance and it is such a high level of volume that it is basically purely endurance. There's no strength development there. There's no hypertrophy development there. Um, so there, there are different rep ranges and then subsequently the different resistance levels that get you to that rep range are very, very important. Now, that being said, you have to understand that there. what really is the biggest part is, is how close you're getting to muscular failure within that rep range. If I do 20 set, 10 sets of 20 push-ups, that is going to be so much different than someone who has never worked out before. Someone who's never worked out before to do 20 sets of push-ups may take them fucking 10 minutes. And to do that 10 times over would be would kill them because their level of failure would come at two push-ups. Um, let me use a better example where there's actual calculable resistance. If I were to bench press 135 with just two a uh, bar with 45s on the side for 500 reps, um, that would take me about 10 minutes. And I would do sets of fucking 50. Then probably I get tired and I do sets of 25, 30. My point being is like I've, I've trained a lot. And I probably – I'd be sore in the morning, but it wouldn't be that big of a deal. I'd actually be like, why did I waste my time doing this? If you're like the average high school football player, not some yoked out geek, but just some normal average high school kid, to do 500 reps of 135 would fucking destroy them because they'd be reaching muscular failure at such an early rate that they'd have to do 500 – you know, they'd have to do probably 100 sets. So it, it's really about when you reach failure and then, and then what rep range you're going for. 
if you go for that's why I always encourage besides the deadlift, you know, that six to eight, six to ten rep range. Eight being kind of like the the fail all, the the, the fail safe. Eight reps is is about because you you can develop uh, marginal amounts of strength and development and and connective tissue strength and and you get the hormonal benefits, but you also can get the hypertrophy the, and the metabolic benefits of going a little higher rep. Once you get into 10 plus, you're, you're talking about muscle gain purely. Your strength development won't necessarily be affected that much. Once you get below five, then you're talking about pure strength and hypertrophy won't be and, and you know, metabolic health and things like that won't be. That's why powerlifters can continuously get super strong without with being fat as fuck. You're like, well, yeah, I mean, you're big, but you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't necessarily have a huge chest even though you can bench press 700 pounds. Um, but whereas the bodybuilder may not be able to bench 700 pounds, he or she can bench 500 pounds, but he can do 315 for 16 reps. That's where you're starting to get the, this, do you see the differences? One is for muscle gain, hypertrophy. The other is for, uh, pure strength. And that's, you know, that's where rep ranges and weights and, and the amount of resistance makes a huge, huge difference. All right. So. Sex is natural, sex is fun. That is to quote my friend George Michael. Never met the man, but I'll say he's my friend. And Adam and Eve is the only place you need to go when it comes time to finding the right things to spice up the bedroom experience. Free stuff, also awesome, also positive and fun. Adam and Eve, make sure that you get sexy stuff to spice up the bedroom and free stuff. Select almost any Item for 50% off, and then Adam and Eve loads on the free stuff. Enter offer code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout, and get 10 tantalizing free gifts. A sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy, plus six free super spicy, super steamy movies, all with free shipping. That's BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V. That's the offer code, BLEAV, at checkout, only at adamandeve.com. All right, I'm back. Question and answer, Mikey likes you. Let's get back to it. What celebrity would you want to see in a donkey show and why? <sighs> Chris Brown. I'd like to see him get fucked by a donkey. Uh, I don't know. I can't think right now. I, guess, I don't really have a lot of anger towards people, especially celebrities. Um, I, I don't think much about celebrities you know i really don't i don't have likes or dislikes so i just know that he smashed a girl's face into a fucking dashboard and wasn't really all that apologetic about it so fuck him um i've been out of the gym for months and i sit on my ass all day at work i've started working out again and i would like to hear your thoughts on supplementing should i wait a few weeks or months to get into better shape before taking creatine glutamine multivitamins or should i start taking that stuff right away no just don't take it ever just don't take supplements because that's really the best advice. Work out hard, train hard, train smart, eat right, and get all the things you need from food. There are going to be a handful of things that you absolutely can't get from your diet and that, you know, unless you're living in Okinawa, you're probably not eating enough fish, deep water fish, so take fish oil. I don't take a multivitamin. Um, I take some vitamin D. Uh, vitamin D3 supplement. And I do take creatine. 
you don't have to take creatine. I take creatine for the health benefits and the cognitive benefits more so than I take it for the muscle gaining benefits. Um, but that's it. You don't need protein powder. You certainly don't need glutamine. You don't need creatine. You don't need a multivitamin. You need to eat uh, meat on the bones and, and uh, you need to eat certain fruits and uh, a couple handful of veggies, not many. And uh, you need to uh, eat wisely and take your omega-3s and you'll be good. And the training will do the rest. I promise you. Let's go. I'm going to take a couple from my Mikey Likes You account. So I'm going to switch over here. Give me a moment. Okay. I need you, bro. That's what it says at the top. Okay. I'm back. I'm in it. Uh, not a training question, but with your years in radio, best live show you've ever seen. Oh, God, I've seen a lot of good ones. Metallica at the Pond was a particularly good one. Uh, the Anaheim Pond where the Ducks play. Um, I saw uh, back in the 90s, there was this thing called the Snowcore Tour. I think it was like a warp tour, but for like snowboarding. And there was a lot of like uh, at that time, the, you know, the pop punk was exploding. So there was a lot of like Blink 182e, Aquabatty, uh, No Effectsy type bands, you know. And I, I, I certainly don't have any problem. I like, I like a lot of those bands. But that was like really the 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 big seller. You know, we're talking about 98, 97. Um, so I go to this thing and. Uh, Primus is playing really late. Now, I was probably the oldest person, one of the 10 oldest people at this show. And I was like 19 at the time. <laughs> what I'm meaning by this is that most of the kids there weren't there to see like Blink-182 and stuff. And they bounced after those bands played. So I'm at this show, which at one point had like 30,000 people watching Primus with like 50 people. I'm not exaggerating. There was like a couple dozen people at this show and people are yelling out fucking requests for Les Claypool. And he's hearing them. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll play My Name is Mud. That was pretty awesome. That was fucking awesome. I'll never forget that. Uh, what do you think of keto? I'm 41 and gained around 15 pounds during COVID. Just started exercising again. And keto has been the only diet I have ever stuck with for a long period of time. Here you go. I don't think much of keto. It's just like celebrities. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's good. I think it's a type of eating. And if it is the, as you put it, only diet you've been able to stick with, that needs to be recognized. That means that it is a type of eating that works for you. And you should fucking do that. And it's because, not because you cut out carbs. It's because by cutting out carbs, you're eating more high fats and high protein foods, which makes you less hungry and you're eating a lot less. And that is why you're losing weight. And if you enjoy it and if it's working and it's not torture, fuck yeah, do it. Um, let's see. Tattoos first, favorite and last from mommy to Irish twins. First tattoo was this kind of like family crest thing on my right shoulder. First, favorite, and last. My favorite and my last are the same. And I think when you hear them, you will understand why. I have a magnolia flower with my daughter's name, Magnolia, underneath it on my left arm. It is the last tattoo I got. 
Let me think. Yeah. Um, and it is by far my favorite because it's a magnolia flower, which are beautiful to begin with. And it makes me think of my sweet daughter, Magnolia. And so, obviously, it's, it's my favorite, you know. Although I don't necessarily think it's, like, my best tattoo. I think my best tattoo is my Virgin Mary from uh, Professor Radar out in Athens, Georgia. Um, it's so beautiful, my Virgin Mary. Um, it's just unbelievable, the detail and stuff. Uh, fondest memory from working at K-Rock, Frank Costa 67. God, there was a lot. There was a lot. It had to be when I sang with Tenacious D. That, that was fucking crazy. I'm a huge fan. As you may have recognized by our, my intro song to this podcast. I love Tenacious D. And Kyle and Jack came into the studio and they're promoting something. And I had a Cleveland Steamers sweatshirt on and they're like oh that's awesome and i was telling them that i could sing or play any song on the first album and they were like no way and they're like what do you want to do and i was like what what do you mean what what do you mean and they started throwing options i was like let's do dio and we sent i sang dio with the real tenacious d live on radio it was amazing um foam rolling how much and how often i like to do it daily before or after workouts i do both I do like the, ooh, ah, that feels good after, and I do trigger point stuff before. So like my hips, if I'm going to squat, I do my butt and my hamstrings and my hips uh, before. Uh, you know, my chest, I, I don't really, my chest and shoulders and stuff, it's hard. But I do do like a racquetball into, or excuse me, a lacrosse ball into my shoulders before I do any pressing movements. And then after I just do foam rolling like at night when I'm bored, uh, I'll just do it, you know, and it just feels good. Um I'm going to start training for a marathon soon, just finishing up a cut as well. I plan on starting in July and end in November. Any words of advice on weight training or diet during this time? Oh, God, it's hard. It's, it, well, do you want to maintain gains when you say diet and training, or do you want to kick ass in the marathon? Because it's two different things. If you want to fuck shit up in the marathon, you're you're gonna have to eat in a way that's probably not gonna be best for your physique, you know, as far as like maintaining muscle mass and losing body fat. If you want to maintain your muscle mass or lose body fat or both, keep the protein high. I would say you still need to be training weights at least twice a week. You know, do full body training. Um, and try to work in a minimalist fashion for your training for the for the uh, marathon. Um, stay in zone one, zone two to work your aerobic capacity and then also work on sprint, you know, kind of speed work as well. But don't necessarily be that person who has to like go overboard with the volume because that's where you get into trouble as far as like being skinny fat and pudgy. Is zine nicotine bad for you? No. Um, But if you're going to use zine, you might as well use Lucy. It's a better product. I'm 39, want to start bodybuilding. What is a good beginner routine? Oh, geez. Wow. You're 39 and you want to start bodybuilding. Okay, there's a lot of factors here. When you say start bodybuilding, do you mean competitively? Do you mean competitively naturally? 
when you say start bodybuilding, you mean you've already been weight training and you look pretty good and you want to go to a bodybuilding level? Or do you mean like you've never lifted weights that much and you want to start bodybuilding? Wow. So there's a lot of factors there. Build strength first. If you're 39 and you don't, you're not necessarily that advanced, just worry about strength first. You can't you can't ask, you can't ask your body to do something like bodybuilding where you're going to get low low levels of body fat and super high amounts of muscle mass. You can't do it if you can't do chin-ups. I try to tell this to my clients all the time, you know, my Patreon clients at the at the ride or die level. They're like, well, I can't do it, you know. I was like, you need to understand what that means because we can build up to it and avoid a chin-up right now and get to the point where you can and with other exercises because I, I take into consideration where you're at and there's nothing, no judgment there. But you can't just hop into say like the rocks workout routine and like a more high-volume pump-based routine until you've built up any sizable level of strength. Most people are just wildly weak at least for achieving a really good-looking physique. Men and women, you're just – they're far too weak and you have to focus on that first. You have, you can't start decorating – you can't call the interior decorator to come over to your house and start planning that before you've built the fucking foundation of it. And I know that seems like an overly simplified analogy but it's really spot on. And people get so far obsessed that they read Flex Magazine or Women's Shape Magazine or, or whatever the fuck – and they want to emulate what they're seeing there and you don't, you're you like, that guy or gal had been weight training hard for fucking years before they were able to transition over into doing 35 sets of back and biceps uh, on Tuesday. Okay? You can't even – don't ever even sniff out the idea of doing back day, quote unquote, until you can do – body weight chin-ups for like at least six you're worrying about doing chest day and you can't bench 135 that you're we're we're you you know what i'm saying like the, this is this is the reality first things first focus on strength six months really become legitimately strong then you can worry about everything else all right one more Mike, how should someone train after a full year of strong lift 5x5? Five five? I modified it a little with less sets and more reps. Well, don't do that. Just don't do that and go back to training 5x5 five five for a year. I mean, I, I would love to answer your question, but you, that's – I modified it a little with less sets and more reps. Minor substitutions here and there. First off, that one isn't minor. That destroys the whole purpose of 5x5. Five five. There's a reason why that level of volume and that rep scheme is there. Doing less sets and more reps kind of goes in, it flies in the face of it. So stop, reset, go and do 5x5. Five five. Suck it up. Uh, let's see, what's a good one to end on? No, 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 no. What set rep scheme do you recommend for the most effective hypertrophy muscle gain for all muscle groups? Gracias, Carnal, from Arono96. 
Good question. Lower body does respond better to higher reps. We are bipedal creatures that walk around on our legs all day. Um, you just need to tap into a higher rep range for your legs to respond when it comes to hypertrophy. Um, I recommend for legs 8 to 12, so more around 10 for every for most people. And if you're really going for strength, I would say 10 to 15. Or excuse me, if you're really going for size, it's 10 to 15. Lower body, uh, upper body exercise is a little different. I do think you can respond better from heavier weights and lower reps. Um, but, but to, to a degree, you know, I, I don't see any reason to go below five reps unless you're a competitive uh, power lifter and strength is your, your number one priority. So I would say for, just to make things easier for upper body above your waist, uh, eight reps below the waist, 10 to 12. Six to eight. Six to eight above the navel, 10 to 12 below the navel. That's my best advice. I'll end on this one. This is a good question. These might be too detailed, but I'll ask anyway in case they're helpful. What are the different kinds of deadlifts and when are each recommended? What's the difference? Okay, so I'll start that one too because he has a bunch of different questions. <coughs> there are numerous types of deadlifts. Each of them have their own ups and downsides. And they're all great. They just serve different purposes. The conventional deadlift where you pull from the ground with your arms and your legs kind of close together, the conventional deadlift, that is the best for overall size and strength development. Um, a lot of people have problems doing it um, because of limb length, the leverage they can get, um, bad form, whatever. Sumo deadlift, where you put your legs out real wide and your hands stay close together, is a great option and alternative. It shifts the focus more away from your upper back and uh, the pushing muscles in your legs to the glutes, your booty, and your um, uh, posterior, uh, the lower part of your posterior chain, uh, hamstrings and whatnot. Um, that's why a lot of females prefer it because it, it really hits the booty a lot more. The Romanian deadlift is much more of a hamstring and glute tie-in workout than it is a upper back, back and and hamstring workout, which is what the conventional deadlift is. So Romanian deadlifts are uh, that's for leg day. Um, trap bar deadlifts are essentially like a hybrid of a lot of them, and they're just better because they're easier to learn and they're safer. They don't put as much stress on your lumbar region, your lower back. I recommend hex bar deadlifts for any type of athlete, any sport, like a skill sport, uh, team sports, tennis, whatever, you know, uh, fighters. Um, so th th that's kind of a breakdown of the different deadlifts. What's the difference between Olympic style lifting, powerlifting, and bodybuilding? Um, Olympic lifting is, is a sport in and of itself. Olympic lifting is training for the clean and jerk and the snatch. They are two lifts that you do in the sport of Olympic lifting. Okay? If you watch the Olympics and you see weightlifting, that is what they're doing. They are not doing anything else. It is the snatch and the clean, clean and jerk. Okay? And it is, it, it, it is like any other Olympic sport. It is a competitive sport and it has nothing to do with muscle size 
or or anything else, it is how much weight you can lift in those two uh, lifts. Okay, and it's a competition. Powerlifting is also a competition, but it includes no other lifts except for the bench press, the deadlift, and the squat. So Olympic lifting, clean and jerk, snatch, powerlifting, bench press, squat, deadlift. Bodybuilding is nothing to do with any lift. You can lift however the fuck you want in any exercises you want. You can do it. It doesn't matter. None. It is a, 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 a competition of your physique and how it looks. You, you do not perform any type of sports activity. You are not competing against someone with numbers in any calculable way. It is a, a, like a fashion show where you use your body as the outfit. So although bodybuilding obviously has a lot to do with lifting of weights to get your body to be more muscular, it has nothing to – there's no actual part – there's no, nothing exercise involved in the actual competition of bodybuilding. So those are the three differences, main differences. Is training in the evening going to affect quality of sleep? It can. Um, but some people, you have no other option because of work schedule. Okay? So yes, it can, especially if it's intense. If it's not intense, if it's uh, low, low intensity like aerobic training in the one in zone one, two, if it's Pilates, yoga, that kind of stuff, no, it, it shouldn't. But any type of like interval training or weight training or jujitsu, that kind of shit, yes, it will. Are weightlifting belts helpful, necessary for regular people? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay? Weightlifting belts, if you're going to lift actual weights, weightlifting belts are, are fucking essential. They're not, they're not there to keep you more to, – to help prevent the injury. What weightlifting belts do is you, you tie them tight around like the belly button area, your, your spare tire. You cinch it tight. Then when you get to the point in the weight training where you are kind of bracing your core in order to get through the lift, you put the tension against the belt that's squeezing against you. You get its competitive tension outward against the belt inward. That creates another advanced level or enhanced level of stability and tension in those muscles, subsequently keeping you safer and stronger. Okay. So it doesn't prevent your lower back or abs and your obliques from helping you lift. What it does is it enhances their ability to create tension. All right. I love you, everyone. Thank you again to all my sponsors and Bet Online and everyone. And uh, in this crazy mix-up world that makes you think that nobody cares, I do. Be good. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.